Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the US and Canada. My name is Chelsea Regan, and welcome to the Bookmark Podcast. Today, I'll be talking to Sarah J. Schmidt about her latest book, Where There's a Whisk, which tells the story of Peyton, a small-town baker who finds herself competing in a TV cooking competition for a chance to win a culinary school scholarship. Like any good reality show, this book is fast and fun, and I am so excited to have Sarah here to talk all about it. So, let's get started. Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Uh, Chelsea, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I always like to start off, if you could give our listeners just a brief introduction to you and your newest book. So my name is Sarah Schmidt, and my latest book is Where There's a Whisk, which you just heard about. I'm also the author of It's a Wonderful Death that was published a couple years ago. And yeah, I have two teenagers who make me wonder if I really understand YA. And I am also an admissions counselor for a university. That's perfect. And is there anything else you want to add to the introduction of where there's a whisk? Yeah, it's set in New York City, and I try as hard as I can to use the city as, I think, ninth character, tenth character. But it is definitely written to be a fun, light, easy read. It's the perfect read in between those series that break your heart. I love that. That's exactly right. And I actually, I read this book right after I read something super dark, and it was exactly that. I was like, this is what I needed. So thank you, and that's perfect intro for it. I wanted to start off because the thing that grabbed my attention, and I think the thing that will grab a lot of people's attention when they hear about this book, is this idea of a YA book set in a reality cooking competition and how much fun that is. And I'm definitely a fan of those kind of shows. I'm guessing you probably are, too, based on the book. I was wondering what inspired you to build the story around that idea and if there were any specific shows that you were thinking of as you were writing. It really stemmed from the fact that above everything, I knew Pate was a baker. She actually makes a cameo in a book that I'm working on now in that capacity. And so I knew she was a baker and I had to think about small town girl, makes it big, goes after her dreams with all these obstacles in our way and it just made the most sense we live in a reality television world to go in that direction not to mention the fact that when you are working with reality television it's really easy to manipulate things and as a result of our reality world that we live in 
life is often manipulated. And I wanted to kind of give my interpretation of the behind the scenes of what it's like on shows like this, just for the sheer entertainment value and challenge for me. Yeah, it definitely has that entertainment value that you get from reality shows, to be sure. And I like what you said about it being a reality show world, because I feel like these characters were a lot more savvy to it than sometimes you get with other stories about people on reality shows where they're like, what? I'm a character. These kids were like, no, yeah, we've grown up with reality shows. We understand how this works. And I actually, I did want to start off by talking a little bit about Peyton. She's the main character, and I think she's so much fun to follow through this story because she's strong and really talented, but at the same time, she really embraces any opportunity she gets to learn and to, like, deepen her skills, which I think sometimes you don't always see, especially in, like, reality show context where it's like, no, you are already the best and you're competing against the best, so just be the best. She actually increases her skill and becomes better throughout the process of the show, and I loved that. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about creating her character and specifically her sort of drive for more and to absorb as much as she could. So there's a lot about Peyton's backstory that we don't know about. This book was actually a 100,000-word book. There were two additional main characters in the group. It was supposed to be set over 10 weeks instead of four weeks. So there's a whole lot of stuff that got cut, and the major part that got cut was really Peyton's backstory. And that's really where her inspiration for continuing to strive to be the best, to continuing to strive to improve herself came from, because she recognizes that she comes from nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean unstable home life, just not able to really depend on anyone but herself. And she knows that if she's going to beat the odds, get out of her small town and not end up knocked up by the first less than loser person that walks by, she is going to have to do it herself. Like she knows she's going to control her own destiny. And so she's going to do what it takes to be the best. And she definitely has that drive that's really fun to read and is always great in a main character, I think, especially a sort of young female main character where you can feel how much she wants to succeed and how important it is to her. And you really get to root for her, which I think is always the best and not always a given sometimes with main characters. But I really, really rooted for Peyton in this book, which was amazing. You mentioned the other competitors, so I was hoping to talk a little bit more about them. I really liked how, I mean, obviously the TV show is a competition, but at the same time there was this real sense of camaraderie and teamwork within the group. Like, they genuinely all felt like friends, and every time one of them would get eliminated, I was like, I know they have to get eliminated, like, I understand the problem, but, like, I'm really disappointed because I really liked him or her, and I wanted them to stick around just to be as part of the story. And I would love to hear a little bit more about how you developed each of the other competitors. And especially, can't not mention the two guys who make up the love triangle. I really liked the kind of twist you put on the love triangle, which, like, we don't need to spoil. But I would love to hear how you came up with each of their personalities and specialties and who they were as people. So whenever I watch a reality show, you can always tell that the people who cast were casting a diverse group of people. And that, as a white woman writing a diverse cast, I had to be very careful about that and did a lot of research for, number one, to make sure I wasn't inadvertently offensive, but also to give them some of that unique characteristic. And again, one of my biggest regrets is we didn't get to delve into those characters as much as I had wanted to. But the main thing I wanted was these are still teenagers. And when you watch like Hell's Kitchen 
the adults are just cutthroat. Like, they're not nice, but these are still teenagers. They've just graduated from high school. I didn't want them to be jaded and angry and vindictive and vicious. It was really important for me to keep that collegial environment with them where they were, yes, they're competitors, but they also want to see each other do well. As far as creating the characters, because there are so many of them, I mean, we start out with eight, we quickly go down to seven, and before long, there are three. It was so important to me to keep those voices distinct and unique, and I hope that I pulled that off. I guess we'll find out when people start reviewing it. But as far as the two main love interests, in quotes, Hakulani and Polly are so similar and yet so distinct in my mind. They have very different personalities and characteristics, and yet they have the same kind of goodness about them. I wanted Peyton to end up with a good guy. And I didn't, again, that twist that you're talking about, that was another very fine line of how to walk it without making people absolutely hate and despise one of the guys where he gets to walk away with his dignity and his good guy, you know, persona, but still mess with that morphine of reality. Yeah, and I think you walked it really well. And I think another part that was really important with the way you establish the characters is especially I think with reality show competitions and their need to sort of fit these tropes or specific stereotypes a lot of the time especially if you're looking at like a main female character you'll get somebody whose toxic masculinity is spilling all over the place and I loved that neither of the love interest guys but really none of the male characters on the show had that component it felt really refreshing and Honestly, probably a little more honest to what a group of teenagers on a reality show now might look like. Was that something you had in your head, too, as you were writing of not including that sort of stereotype within the story? Now that you've said that, absolutely. That was exactly my plan. It it wasn't, but what I, again, was focusing on is these characters weren't jaded yet. I think teenagers today have a better understanding of nuance than we give them credit for. The whole point was to keep them innocent and keep it fresh and keep it fun. Plus, they were all kind of fighting for their own survival. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to worry about everybody else. And they had opportunities to sabotage each other. And they did, but in a good-natured way. And that was important to me. I didn't want a book where you're like, I hate that person. I didn't mind a book where you're like, I think I hate that person. But I didn't want any any of my characters to come out looking like the bad person, any of the teenage characters. Because, again, I think it's easy to make some of your characters in YA just generally bad without any redemption. And I think there is redemption in all kids that age, regardless of where they come from or what they've done. There's always redemption, so I didn't want to fall into that. Yeah, and I will say, I think you did a really, really good job of creating drama the way a reality show would create drama, where the truth of reality shows is probably that, like, everyone's probably an okay person. Like, they're probably not as awful or as angelic as we think they are watching the show. And I think you did a really good job showing, like, these are teenagers. They're all teenagers. Like, they're all kids. They're all figuring it out. But none of them are aggressively, mean-spiritedly trying to hurt one another. It is just a competition and, and a reality show, and this is how it sort of all comes out that way. Another part of the story I really liked, I am a huge sucker. I have always been a huge sucker for any kind of behind-the-scenes content. Ever since I was a kid, I think it's actually one of the big reasons why after college I went into film and television production, because I was just like, I've seen so many of these, I have to know what it's really like. 
And with that, I've always wondered what it would be like to be someone on a reality show with cameras constantly following you. I definitely am like a master chef and that kind of show fan, but I'm also a fan of like Survivor where you're doing these crazy things, but also there's a full camera crew following you and you're talking to it and what's happening. And I think you did such a good job of putting us in that headspace. There was never a moment where Peyton or any of the other characters were like, and the cameras fell away and I forgot they were there. No, they always knew in the back of their heads, we are being watched, there are hidden cameras, there are cameras, there's a voice coming from seemingly nowhere telling us what to do. I was wondering what your research process was like for creating the sort of TV show element of the story and the reality show elements of the story. I watch so much Food Network that it's not even funny. And then I would go on YouTube and I'd find like all the behind the scenes thing. And then there is a Food Network TV that is a behind the scenes look. And then there's also a TV series called Unreal, I believe, which is told from the production side of a reality television. I watched all of those seasons and then I put it all together and I was like, I hope this makes sense. Like if somebody's actually been on a reality television show, they would probably look at this and be like, you have no clue. But I hope they'll be like, but at least you tried. Like it was a good effort. And that was a lot of my research. I mean, I've done live theater and been involved in live theater. So kind of taking some of that element of what you're trying to do when you're putting on a production there is obviously it's scripted, but it's still that blocking and movement and lights and sound. All of those elements are still involved. And so taking that knowledge, kind of combining it all, putting it in a pot and hoping when I was done, it tasted okay. Yeah, it definitely felt real enough to Peyton's experience that you were like, I believe this is where she is and this is what is happening. I think especially Really, the sense I got was like, you're just a piece of a big machine that I think is very accurate to film sets of everything kind of spinning around you and just trying to find your little turquoise square that you're supposed to be standing on and being like, all right, cool. I think I know where I'm supposed to be. And even little things that I really like that you included, like about how the food had been sitting a while before the judges even tasted it. I always think about that. I'm like, how fresh is that by the time the judges get around to actually eating it? I love that you included all of that. I thought it was really fun. Something else that you mentioned, too, is that not only is the book sort of set in this world of reality TV, but it also takes place, they're filming in New York City. And I actually just moved from New York City. And not going to lie, reading this book made me a little bit homesick. I loved the landmark challenges. I thought those were so much fun and such an interesting way to sort of get them out of a studio and put them in a little bit more, like, grounded place to be, give them a little bit more to explore. I am very curious to know how you came up with the idea for those challenges and how you chose the spots that you wanted to feature. Well, first of all, they were living in Manhattan and the studio was in Manhattan and that's awesome, but there's so much more to New York City than Manhattan. And so I wanted to get into the boroughs as much as possible. You know, Ellis Island was my attempt to get into Staten Island. And I'm not going to lie, I picked the zoo that I picked because they have lemurs and I wanted lemurs in my book. (laughs) It was really kind of looking for what are the things that make New York City special, Like, what are the things that make them unique? And so, you know, it's not giving anything away, but we spend time on Broadway. We go to food trucks, which when I go to New York City, I'm like, food trucks, please. Because in Indianapolis, we have some, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. We don't have quite as much variety, and we we definitely don't have as many. 
And when you're talking about food, you can get some of the best food in the world out of a food truck. And I didn't want it just to be bougie food. I wanted this to also be like street food too. Yeah. And the food truck challenge, especially, I think did a really good job of when you're on the streets of New York, seeing a food truck and being like, I didn't even know that was a type of cuisine, but there's a truck for it. So I guess it is. Of course, that would be an option that you could find nowhere else but in New York. And then suddenly it's everywhere. The Bronx Zoo is one of my favorite places, like, in the world. There was something so real about the challenge where they were like, you only have so much amount of time. And people were like, I don't even know what I saw. I was just running. I'm like, you could do that at the Bronx Zoo. You just continue to run through the, like, forest looking for anything you can find. I thought that was so great. But, yeah, definitely my favorite part was Broadway. I am a huge Broadway person. It was a huge reason I moved to New York City in the first place. I saw so many shows while I was there. And I really love that not only did you mention and sort of have them go to Broadway, but they saw two shows that were real shows. So they saw Hamilton and Waitress. And I think Hamilton's one of those shows that pretty much everybody knows. But I thought Waitress was really interesting because it's a lot more sort of of a specific show, I think. And so I was wondering about your decision to include those two specific examples in the book and how you picked those two shows. There was actually, in the first challenge, there was a third show, and it was The Cursed Child. Basically, it was my opportunity to be like, these are things I love, and I'm putting them in my book just because I can. I'm the writer. Come at me. But Waitress was very intentional. And Waitress was because, for those who haven't seen Waitress, it really is what Peyton sees her life, at least the beginning, the first act. It's how Peyton sees her worst case scenario of her life going, what she doesn't want. And so it connects to her on an emotional level that she doesn't expect. And it is one of those moments where that character gets really vulnerable and like can't look at the camera. To me, it was one of the most emotional scenes to write. It was one of the hardest scenes to write The scene that comes after that was one of my favorite scenes to write, and I'm not going to spoil it with you. Yeah, I loved the scene that came after it, too. I'm (laughs) not going to spoil it, but people listening, when you read the book, you will know exactly what we're talking about. It might be one of my favorite scenes in the book. I really really love how that night turns out for her. And yeah, I think those moments, especially in a reality show competition, those moments of like true vulnerability can be tricky. You kind of don't want to have those moments. Those aren't moments you exactly want to have on camera. And so it gets a little more complicated, but I didn't think about it until you mentioned Waitress in the book. And then suddenly I was like, Peyton and Jenna have so much in common. Like all of a sudden, all these lines were forming where I was like, wow, oh my God, how did I not think of this before? Was that something you were thinking as you were creating Peyton's character or did that come later as you were thinking about Broadway? It came later and it was when I was looking at what shows I wanted to put in this because the whole competition goes back to baking. And it goes back to her strong suit, so that particular landmark challenge. And so it was when I started looking at what shows had been on Broadway and making sure that I was timing everything correctly so it realistically could have all these shows could have been playing at the same time. It was a no-brainer for me. But I hadn't planned it. It was just one of those things that was serendipitous. Like, it was, of course, this has to be. This is a pivotal moment in her journey And how did I not come up with this on my own? That's amazing. That's exactly how I felt as I was reading it, too, where I was like, how did I not see this before? It makes so much sense. I love any book that encourages people to go see more Broadway shows. So 
Go see theater, guys. That's my my shout out for it. I'll be on Broadway, not on Broadway. I'll be in seats in Broadway at the end of May, and I'm super excited because I'm dragging my entire family to a Broadway weekend. That's amazing. I'm so glad that things are back up and running. It's very exciting, and I'm so glad it was in your book because I think it'd be very hard to have landmark challenges of New York without Broadway. So oh, I was yeah. very very happy to see that. So if it's not clear by now, this book is just a lot of fun to read. So I usually give myself, when I'm going to do an interview, I give myself like a little bit of time to finish a book because I'm never quite sure how long it'll take me to read. But with this one, I found myself binging it the way I would binge a reality show. Like I would get to the end of a chapter and someone would have just been eliminated or like something. It would feel like a good like ending point. And I'd be like, no, I got to read one more. I got to find out what happens next. I have to keep moving. It's just fast-paced in that way that reality shows really are, where it's like you just constantly want to see what's happening next. I was wondering if that was your plan in writing it or if the story just kind of took you in that direction, that it just was kind of like that runaway train where it's like you just got to see where it goes next. Honestly, the reason the pacing is the way that it is is because we had to edit so much out. And then we had to restructure some of the competitions because they didn't make sense when they were happening. Like the timeline would have had the Broadway episode starting on Monday. Well, Broadway's not open on Monday. So like things had to be shifted around and that created a much faster pace. So it wasn't my intention. I honestly believe that you should have a lot of excitement in your book, but you should also give your readers breathers. And so there were some scenes that were cut, and my editor and I have talked about how we might use these scenes, like the cutting room floor extras that might be available online or through digital format. So you see and you, you get to know the characters a little bit better because you see there's a whole camping scene that was a lot of fun. Just it took up three chapters. And there are so many pauses that take up so much space in that book that I had to cut stuff. But it did create more of a chaotic pacing. And I think if you read the book, be ready for that, because I think some people feel like the pacing is so weird. But that's also reality television. It is a lot of hurry up and just sit and wait. Really how it ended up pacing itself. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned that in the book, too, that even the shooting schedules of these kind of things happen so much faster than people think they do. Because you get, like, one episode a week for a couple of months when the truth is that they probably filmed in, like, two or three weeks and it was over for them. And so, yeah, I think it's definitely a specific kind of pacing, but I thought it really, really worked for the story and the contents of the story. Like I said, I just couldn't stop. I was like, I just, I got to find out what happens. I got to find out who wins. I got to know what's going on. I am also always interested, sort of a little more of a writing process question too, but I'm always interested in books about competitions. Do you know from the beginning, do you have it set out of like, this is the person who's going to get eliminated and then this person and this person, or are those answers that you find as you're writing the story? So I am normally a planster. Like I will plan a couple of things in my book that I know I need to hit these points. And then I just write. This was the total opposite of that. Because there are so many twists, people need to exit at certain times in order for other things to happen. It very much was a domino effect. And again, when we went back and we started revising and realized we had a lot of stuff to cut, those even got changed. I had a spreadsheet at one point, and there was a tab for every time I changed. And I would say I probably had 15 tabs of when I knew I was going to eliminate. In fact, the final four was not supposed to be the final four because I needed it to not be the final four, but that ended up happening. 
So I did plan those, and they were tied to the competitions. Like, Peyton could not lose a baking competition. That just wasn't going to be allowed. I'm sorry. That's not a spoiler. I was never going to let that happen. But I needed to also make sure that certain people won competitions and that certain people had advantages at certain competitions. So that was really a Tetris game of putting that all together. And it changed right up until the day that my final draft was due. I was still at midnight, still changing. It was due at like 6 in the morning, and I was up until 3.45, still trying to put all the puzzle pieces into place. I love that. You almost sound like a reality show producer on your own of like, I needed this to happen so that this would work out and this person could have the advantage that they needed. Or maybe like what a reality show producer wishes that they could do without it totally ruining any semblance of this being reality that you like got to manipulate all those things. You got to be like, well, I need her to do this. So she will. Ha ha. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's amazing. Because that's the thing, competition stories always do feel like a Tetris puzzle. So that's really interesting to hear that that's how it felt for you as well, of trying to fit things in the correct places. It still feels like that to me. If somebody were to come up and, like, be mad that somebody went out at a certain point, I'd be like, I didn't know they did. I forgot. I don't. That wasn't how it was in version 5 through 12, so I don't know what to tell you. That's the best and worst part about reading competition stories is you're like, can't they all win? (laughs) Why not? Very different, but like kind of like the Hunger Games where you're like, how about we all just be friends and like get together? It's going to be fine. This one was a lot less aggressive than the Hunger Games. I hope so. (laughs) I mean, there were knives and people did get cut, but. Oh, yeah, that one. That one was visceral. Another question I had. Reality shows take real people and they make them into characters. And what I really loved about your story is that all of the characters were smart and savvy enough to see that that was going to happen. No one was shocked that there was editing and different things that were going to happen to try and, like, manipulate how they were seen. But what I also really loved is that each of the characters kind of found a way to make it work for them. They weren't just, like, hapless victims of the reality show. They were really figuring out how to work within the system. But at the same time, I think your book really becomes about the power of realizing that you don't have to fall into the predictable path that you think that you're destined to follow. You know, Peyton's able to make her own choices even in this very prescribed reality show setting, and she's able to forge a new path and figure out what she wants and what's going to make her happy no matter what the situation. And I think that's sort of really powerful. And I was wondering what you hope that readers, especially maybe younger readers, can take away from her journey. More than anything, what I hope is almost exactly what you said, that just because you're born into a particular life, that all plays into your future. It absolutely does. You will never escape your past, but you can overcome your past. And part of that is believing in yourself. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of chances. And it takes a lot of luck to overcome stuff, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. I think if anyone learns anything from Peyton, it's that success is defined by her. In her journey, her success, again, spoiler, her success is defined by what she wants and going after what's right for her, not necessarily what this ideal success is. I think that comes through so beautifully in your story. We talked about how none of the kids in the story have truly evil intentions, There are some characters who maybe do. can't have reality television without having one kind of, at least one person that causes some drama. Otherwise, who's going to watch? 
I love the way that the drama was created in your story. It was unexpected, but fun. And it allowed you to sort of like see the characters and see how smart and capable they were on their own of navigating all this and figuring it out. So to wrap things up, you talked about at the beginning in your intro, your day job is as a college admissions counselor. And I was just wondering what, if anything, you take from the students you get to meet that maybe worms its way into your young adult book. It definitely makes me want to push the ages of my characters to older. There was a lot of conversation about, oh, she just graduated from high school and how far out of high school is she when I started writing this book between my agent and I, because I didn't want it to be too old. But the reality is high school graduates are going through the same challenges as adults with the same insecurities as teens. And that definitely is something that as I've worked with college students, I want to kind of push that envelope a little bit. But more than anything, I think it gives me hope because these students that come to our campus are vibrant and they are full of aspiration and they are full of social justice optimism. I know some people will be like social justice blah and I'm like no like this is what changes the universe not just a state not just a country this changes the world the universe everything is this passion to seek out what brings you joy. And I see so much of that in the students that I get to work with. That's really what I took away from Peyton and from your book is the importance of seeking out the things that bring you joy and the importance of fighting for those things, no matter how difficult or tricky the situation surrounding them might be. Well, and the other thing, and this is something that I said for years, I even said this in front of just just this past weekend when I was counseling a student and the parents were there. And I'm like, your parents are probably not going to like to hear me say this, but don't pick a major because you think you should pick a major because this is what fuels your passion. If I could give any advice just in general to teens, eliminate the word should from your vocabulary. Don't do things because you should do it. I mean, don't break the law. Or like minimize should in your vocabulary, but like don't do things just we think you should do it. You really want to dig into yourself, find out who you are, and then follow that passion. I've got two teenagers right now. I've got a freshman and a sophomore, and we're already talking about college, and I keep stressing, do the things that bring you joy, because there's going to come a point in your life where you're going to be like, I have to get up and go to work. At least let that job be something that brings you satisfaction. I mean, I feel like that's advice I should take, or should again, but I feel like that's advice that I need. I think we all need that sometimes of it's okay to, and especially in this last year, I mean, it's okay to do the things that make you happy and not worry about the things that feel like a drudge or homework or whatever it might be. Find the things that feel good and that fill you up. I need to take my own advice, so don't feel bad. (laughs) I'm with you there. This is amazing. To wrap it up, where can our listeners find out more about you and your books? You can go to my website, sarahjschmidt.com, and check that out. And that's pretty much the best place. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Twitter is sjschmidt. TikTok is sarahjschmidt. I haven't got a lot of TikToks up because I'm scared of technology some days. <laughs> I'm scared to post anything some days. But do look for some content coming up in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the book and the book being out because I'm going to talk about some of the things that are in the book once people have had a chance to read it and also probably share some little cooking tips and maybe even a couple of recipes that we use around my house. 
Oh, that'd be amazing. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sarah. This was so much fun to speak with you, and your book is just so much fun. I can't wait for people to read it. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This has been a blast. Of course. And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We are at BookmarkedYA. You can also follow Bookstacked on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Plucky Bookmark. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.